This podcast deals with mature themes that are intended for an adult audience. The information in this show could be triggering and cause distress for some viewers. If you feel in distress, please seek out help. Please take care in listening. This is The Relationship Review with Delcy Martin. Welcome back to The Relationship Review. Welcome to my brave space. I hope you had a great time connecting with your partner and maybe even learning a bit more about them. I'd like to start the episode having you take a deep breath. A nice, big, long, deep breath. Let it out slowly and think about your partner. What is it that you most appreciate about them? Focus on that thing. Notice any positive feelings, positive sensations in your body. Sit with that feeling of warmth and positivity for your partner and then sit with that image of your partner. This is an exercise that you can do every day to help you tap into that positivity bank during times of difficulty. Take another deep breath. Now let's begin with our case study for today. Marsha, 25, and Ted, 30, began dating six months ago and decided to move in together. They have been living together for a couple of months and are reporting increased strain in the relationship. Marsha works full-time days as a community health nurse. Ted also works long hours as a plumber, often involving him being on call for evening and weekend emergencies. Marsha feels like she's taking on much of the housework and reports feeling burnt out by the time the end of the weekend comes because she cooks supper most evenings of the week and spends most of Saturday catching up on the housework and laundry from the week. Marsha feels that Ted is not taking on his equal share of the household labor and she feels unappreciated and frustrated. Ted says that he feels tired all the time and that he needs his me time on the weekends to mentally recuperate from the long week. When I started researching an episode on division of labor in the home, I thought to myself, Kay Delcy, this is such a stereotypical couple's problem. This is going to be boring, it's going to be straightforward, and it's not even going to take a full episode. Oh, how wrong was I? Turns out that this problem is not a stereotype, it's a reality. Unequal division of labor in the home is the number one reason why couples seek out relationship counseling. When working with Marsha and Ted, addressing the problem directly is not going to be the most effective way to manage this situation. Because only addressing the immediate problem is a band-aid solution, and the problem is very likely to pop up again in the relationship. We need to understand why the problem is occurring. Answering the question of why there's unequal division of labor in this home is not straightforward. We need to look at this problem from several different lenses. First, we can look at it from the economic lens. This says that the person who's engaging in paid employment is contributing to the home financially, so the individual who is not employed would contribute by taking on the house labor. There's also an angle that the person who makes the most money carries the biggest economic load, so the person who makes less income makes up for this by engaging in homemaking. 
This pairs well with the time availability lens that says that a person who has the freest time available takes on the bulk of the household duties. In Marsha and Ted's case, the economic lens does not appear to be applicable because both carry full-time employment, and we haven't had a salary information made available for them to gauge if they make comparable income. There's many relationships around the world that divide labor with the economic and time availability lenses, but studies have shown that these relationships are in fact the minority. A short disclaimer here. I seek to provide a space that respects and honors gender diversity. The rest of this episode uses the term man and woman because we're talking about traditional gender roles. I want to make sure that you know that there's not been enough research done with members of our transgender communities or members of our um, non-binary communities. Really, there hasn't been enough research done for me to give an accurate and fair portrayal of their struggles and division of labor. I also believe that an entire episode would need to be gener uh, would need to be dedicated to this group of people and their perceptions on traditional gender roles, because I really want to do this beautiful community justice. So please be patient with me for the remainder of the episode. The next piece of the puzzle provided me with a lot of frustration. I really wanted to believe that we had overcome the 1950s housewife barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen sort of feel. We have, but not as much as I believed. I am blessed to have some amazing men in my life and a partner who provides me with a true equal division of labor. However, it turns out that I'm in the minority. Studies show that 75% of females are taking on the heaviest load of labor in the home. Okay, this has got to be because less women are in the workforce, right? Well, it's true that we still don't have an equal number of men and women in the workforce, but this statistic has nothing to do with the division of labor. Studies have shown that the amount that women are economically dependent on their partner affects the amount of household labor, with more dependent taking on more labor. But unfortunately, economic dependent men are still taking on less labor in the home. In fact, even with our highest number of women ever in the paid labor market, women are still taking on the bulk of household related duties. Why? Why is this still happening in 2022? The best answer that we have for this is called gender ideology. So let's first look at the term gender identity. Gender identity is who you feel and know you are at your core, your own feeling of being a man or a woman or non-binary. This is different from the physical parts that make you a man or a woman. Gender ideology is how you believe gender should behave. So you can have two different men, each one having a different idea of what being a man means. In this case, we have two different guys one believing that household labor is women's work and the other believing in equity. We have seen a literal explosion of women entering the workforce and many being the primary breadwinners. Yet, we have a persistent issue with household labor being perceived as women's work. Even when the woman in the house makes more money than the man, studies still show females taking on more. Interestingly, when there's an equal division of labor in the home, we are still seeing women taking on traditional women's work, like house cleaning and cooking, while men do traditional men's work, fixing things, putting things together, auto maintenance. 
The ratios have improved dramatically, don't get me wrong, but they're still surprisingly behind. The role of gender ideology is very real. Studies are finding that women's ideologies have been changing, but men's haven't. And that equal division of labor only occurs in households where the same ideology is valued. Now, don't get me wrong, men have not escaped the effects of this outdated ideological system. Paid labor has become an essential part of the male identity. And for many, their self-esteem is tied to their ability to bring money into the home and provide for their families. Men feel enormous pressure to take on paid labor, and they feel like it preserves their masculinity. And they're often perceived as losers or failures if they don't achieve this goal. Women have that same feeling of pressure to care for the home or to become the default person to do a needed household task. Many men were also not taught how to complete domestic tasks. So daily household upkeep can feel as foreign for some as auto maintenance feels for me. Women, on the other hand, are often taught from a young age how to participate in domestic tasks. To further test the strong role of gender ideology, researchers went around the world to look at seven countries. They looked at how traditional each country was in their gender ideologies and compared that to the average division of labor in the home to see if there was a correlation. Of the countries, France scored lowest in gender equity and Norway scored the highest. You guessed correctly if you guessed that France has the least equal division of labor in their households and Norway has the most equal. Again, the role of gender ideology is so very strong and this is around the world. A notable flaw with this study though is the fact that there was many countries around the world that were not included, most which are not as developed as the ones featured in this study. So more research needs to be done there. So, we know that country that you were born in can affect your gender ideology. What else affects it? Interestingly, well-educated husbands tend to take on more labor in the home. So is this because those who are considered well-educated or are overall more liberal and egalitarian in their views? That can't be the case either because studies show that females' level of education does not significantly affect the amount of household labor they take on. I acknowledge and understand that there's lots of men out there who are taking on the bulk of the domestic work. I also acknowledge that there's so many wonderful men out there that value equality. I'm fortunate to be married to one. My goal in this episode is not to blame men or to hate on them because I believe they are also victims of traditional gender ideology and they're under intense pressure to take on paid employment and be providers of further family. However, we cannot ignore the fact that this issue is disproportionately affecting our women. Like this is crazy. Even well-educated women who know that it's unfair for them to take on all the domestic labor are still taking it on. Okay, I'm guilty of that myself in previous relationships, taking on more and more, but knowing that it wasn't fair. So why are women okay with this? Why are we okay with this? Despite the excellent role models in my life, I believed that the preservation of my relationship depended on me tolerating taking on more and more. We're taught that no relationship or perf person is perfect, very much the truth. And we tolerate, tolerate quirks in our partners that bug us because we love that person, also the truth. But how much should we tolerate? I firmly believe that young women and men need to be taught that a partner is not a project. 
Let me say that again for the people in the back. Your partner is not your project. Women tend to be caregivers and have the idea that we can improve our partners and mold them to be the way we want them to be. Leaving aside the complete disrespect this shows the men in our lives, the goal of trying to change another human is not reasonable or rational. You are not your partner's mother. You're not your partner's father. Your job is not to raise them. You're together in an equal partnership to do this thing that we call life. Do it together. Okay, Delcy, well, what if your studies are outdated? Maybe there's been major changes in the past few years with the way the world is, you know, imploding around us. Again, a resounding no. Turns out that some very resourceful res researchers did a study during our COVID lockdowns on how labor was divided when families were secluded together, with many working from home. As we'd expect, women did more parenting and housework, and men did more paid labor and personal time. Both genders agreed that the division of labor was unfair and that men got more personal time than the women, but men felt that they got less personal time than the women perceived them to have. These results bring concerns from experts that the pandemic could have set back advancements toward gender equity. So this research got me thinking. What about same-sex couples? Luckily for me, there were studies that looked at the division of labor in same-sex relationships and looked at same-sex division of labor across countries. See, there's a common misconception that in same-sex relationships, one of the individuals take, takes on the male role and the other takes on the female role. This really isn't the case. Studies showed more equal division of labor in same-sex relationships as compared to heterosexual relationships. The effect of gender role remains strong, though, in same-sex relationships. You see, the majority of queer individuals have been raised in heterosexual homes, many with traditional values. It turns out that when comparing lesbian relationships with gay relationships, though, the ladies divide their duties more evenly than the men do. This shows the deep power of gender ideology, because in theory, queer individuals should be incredibly liberal, valuing equity, and they are, but when compared with heterosexual individuals. But there's still a lot of work to do, and that work needs to come from a societal level. Even across countries, we see female couples dividing labor more equally than male couples. As I mentioned before, the pressures that men face to be providers with paid employment are very real and have a very real effect on the mental health of our men. This holds true for gay men who reported that they didn't want to relinquish paid employment because they didn't want to feel less masculine. Unemployed men equal non-masculine men. For the women listening, I want you to let that sit with you for a minute. Now think of your partner if they're male. This could be a deep seated belief that they hold. I ask you to do this to hold space for the challenges your male partner could face and understand that we need to acknowledge the effect that gender role stereotypes has had on them. Division of labor, it's not an issue on the individual level, the couple level, or even a heterosexual level. It's a societal issue affecting everyone in the world. Other commonalities between heterosexual and same-sex relationships is that the division of labor became even more unequal when children were added into the mix. There's one other important lens that I want you to consider division of labor from. 
the mental health lens. I want us to consider a few different diagnoses, ADHD, depression, and anxiety. But please keep in mind that this is not an exhaustive list. Each one of these diagnoses can create difficulties with motivation, which can affect an individual's ability to manage household labor. Let's start with a look at adult ADHD. This is a very common and underdiagnosed diagnosis. When an individual without ADHD looks at a dirty kitchen, we're mostly able to prioritize. I need to empty out the old food before I do the dishes, before I clean the countertops, before I do the laundry. Steps A, B, C, D. Someone with ADHD will look at the messy kitchen and see multiple projects that need to be completed all at the same time. They might open the fridge to put away the old food before doing the dishes and realize that the fridge needs to be cleaned out, then realize that the fridge needs to be washed out. Then they get absorbed in that project, forgetting that the dishes need to be done and the counters wiped. Or, in the process of doing one household task, they receive a phone call from work that they have to deal with then. Then they find another task that they'd intended to do before being distracted away from the first task that they started the first place. Are you following me? Folks, in this situation, we are not dealing with someone who is lazy, neglectful, or sexist. We're dealing with an individual whose brain does not prioritize and understand task completion in the same way that others do. This does not mean that the partner who is taking on the load is not entitled to their feelings. They absolutely are. But it means that this delicate situation needs to be approached from a mental health understanding lens and the couple worked with from that angle. The individual with ADHD also must recognize that a change is in the best interest of the relationship and work to address their reality. This is not an easy task. When someone is struggling with depression, the world feels heavy. They're tired. Not just an I've had a long day tired, but entire body, mind, and spirit tired. Housework just doesn't seem important, and the energy required to do it feels unachievable. There's also the nagging belief with people who are depressed that they're not good enough. They can't do anything right. This can translate over to house care, where the home becomes a reflection of the chaos they feel inside. I don't speak for every depressed person, of course, but this has been my personal experience when struggling with depression. Anxiety is depression's sister. They go hand in hand. For those experiencing anxiety, managing a messy room can feel like an impossible task. Looking at the space can cause the brain to go into a fight-flight-freeze mode because the brain perceives the task as a threat. This can cause the brain to begin thinking fast and unable to calmly manage the hierarchy of tasks required to complete the household duties. Again, we see a human that's not lazy or sexist. Instead, we find a brain that's struggling with managing some activities of daily living. So where do we go from here? It's already been decades of women entering the workforce, and though 75% of women taking on most of the work is a better statistic than we saw in the past, it's still striking. I believe that the answer lies with our children. Gender role socialization starts at an incredibly young age, and children will model themselves after their parents. Men holding gender ideologies that value equality will do more household labor than those that hold traditional ideologies. In fact, studies with children show that the majority of them view mothers as being responsible for housework and childcare. 
This is the tough position to be in as the parent that takes on most of the housework, because as much as you can tell your children that equal division of labor is important, if your partner is modeling something different, you feel powerless. This is also a tough position for the partner holding traditional gender ideologies because they're so deeply ingrained and can take a lot of time, will, and patience to change. A good place to start with kids is involving them in housework from a young age. Doing everything for your children doesn't do them any favors when they leave home and they have to start caring for themselves. Children learn by watching, yes, but they learn more by doing and practicing. There are a lot of age-appropriate chore suggestions online if you feel stuck. To help combat gender stereotyping, have regular conversations stressing that there's no boy chores or girl chores. We do housework as part of being contributing members to the family unit. I think that a good beginning point in a conversation to question the fairness of the division of labor in your relationship, conversation. Studies show that most men agree that division of labor is unfair but they're unsure where to begin in making things more equitable. Conversation is good, and from open and respectful conversation can come sustainable change. With a conversation such as this, it's important not to approach your partner in an accusatory way. You don't do enough, or you need to do more. This is only gonna serve to throw your partner's brain into that threat response, so the conversation will be emotionally fueled, not as effective. A more effective way to begin the conversation is to talk about how taking on more is affecting you. I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm struggling. will hopefully trigger your partner's empathy response and they'll be more likely to engage in conversation with you on this matter. I cannot stress enough that division of labor is not a simple relationship issue. It's not a matter of he doesn't sweep the floor enough or that you aren't managing. Studies show over and over and over again that this has a serious detrimental effect to the mental health of the partner taking on more and that it has an overall detrimental effect on the relationship. Relationships end because of this stuff, folks. I don't want you to take this lightly. For the people who are listening that value and demonstrate equity in their relationships, thank you. If you're struggling in your relationship right now, please don't lose hope. This doesn't have to make or break your relationship and is absolutely something that can be managed well. At the same time though, I do wanna stress that the effects of this is very real and you need to know what point enough is enough for you. You deserve to have equity in your relationship. It is not fair that you have to take on more and it is not something you deserve to live with the rest of your life. To go back to Marsha and Ted, I'd want to explore their upbringing and what their parents modeled for them in the home. We take our time working through the couple communicating their needs in a respectful way and making sure they're on the same page with what equitable division of labor looks like for them. I'd also pay attention to any signs and symptoms of mental health concerns that Ted may have, as those may be the root cause of the concern. I want to stress here that in couples therapy, one partner is not the problem child. The couple is a single client and together they can work together to maintain respectful and consistent communication. Both have to be willing to work on things and going to therapy with a commitment to the relationship is the first step. An important point to consider is the difference between equal and fair in a relationship. Having children is a massive workload and expecting the person who has to provide childcare all day to take on all the housework is unfair. 
but it's also unfair to expect the person who's engaged in paid employment all day to take on all the housework. One partner may be better suited to doing a specific chore because they're more skilled with it, like cooking. So it may make more sense for that partner to do all the cooking because it's something that they're good at and enjoy. I really want to stress here the importance of approaching each relationship from a personal lens because it's not as simple as splitting the work down the middle. I want to end today with some quick tips on working with your partner to discuss this delicate topic. One, talk directly about your experiences with your partner, but also make room for their expectations. Express gratitude for what your partner does. Yes, doing dishes is part of being a grown-up, and it's something they should do, but not need to be thanked for. But expressing gratitude is the best way to reinforce a behavior that we want to see happen again. We do this with children when they're learning to contribute to the family. It doesn't take a lot to say, I really appreciate you taking on chore A, B, or C, or telling them how much helping you has affected your mental wellness. Define what the word clean means. Everyone has a different threshold and an idea of what clean is. Compromise might be needed if your ideas of clean are incongruent with your partner's. Check in and renegotiate. Regular check-ins with your partner. Is this working for you? Do we need to switch things up? Maybe there's one or two chores that your partner prefers to do and that you absolutely hate doing. You can do this. Thank you for listening. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode today. Feel free to check in on our Facebook group. And I really hope you join me next time. 